0: Chapter 72, The Jinn, El-Jinn, In the Name of God, the Most Compassionate, the Most Merciful. This is one of Quran's more challenging chapters, for people have always been confused and uncertain about the meaning of jinn and the nature of the creature associated with it. This ambiguity might stem from their misconstruing the adjective JIN, concealed, as a noun. Akin to other adjectives such as beauty or ugliness, JIN only describe a noun, for it does not exist in and of itself. JIN is not the name of a unique species that possesses strange characteristics such as having hooves or tails, but the attribute of a being whose essence is hidden from us. Thus, this adjective may be applied to any other phenomenon possessing such a characteristic, such as Satan and angels. In the Quranic language, the term jinn and its derivatives refer to anything concealed from humans. For example, the fetus is called Janin, because it is hidden in the womb. Insane people are called Majnoon, because their intellect is hidden. Protective shields are called junnah, because people hide behind them. And gardens, and by extension, paradise, are called Jannah for their abundant trees prevent outsiders from seeing the grounds or objects hidden among them. Arabs also referred to unfamiliar people or non-Arab tribes as jinn. We must stop conceiving of jinn as a strange creature that usually appears at night in scary, dark places in order to comprehend the Quran's position. This chapter introduces several kinds of jinn and speaks on behalf of all concealed and invisible beings. Some parts of the discourse are about humans, whereas others seem to be about different energies in the world or celestial and material objects that affect Earth's existence. But as the details of these issues are incomprehensible, they cannot be explained in such clear terms, as is the case with the more basic issues related to nature or material things. Say, O Prophet, it has been revealed to me that a group of jinn listened in and said to their fellows upon their return, We have truly heard an amazing recital. As mentioned in chapter 46, verses 29 to 31, God revealed to the Prophet that a group of jinn, non-Arabs, who had listened to the Quran were so astonished by God's words that they became believers. That guides to the straight path, so we believe in it. We will never ascribe partners with our Lord. They declared they would never take partners with God, for they had grasped the essence of the Quran's monotheistic message. As a result, they vowed to obey only God and to consider only Him in all of their intentions and deeds. They realized they had found the source that liberates them from being dependent upon anybody. Or anything else and we believe that he exalted be the glory of our Lord has taken neither a spouse nor a child exalted be the glory of our Lord denote the one who has created the universe with his willpower in such a way that our Milky Way galaxy resembles a drop of water in an ocean comprising billions of galaxies. This verse emphatically rejects the Christian doctrine of the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God's sublime nature transcends all such polytheistic attributes. This group of jinn proclaims their belief in the Quran and rejects false beliefs such as worshipping Jesus, Mary, or the other so-called deities in which some people may believe. Our Lord is transcendent and impeccable, and no partners should be associated in his worship. Although the fools among us used to utter outrageous falsehoods about God, Only foolish people, safih, spread false beliefs and unjust words about God. This word is sometimes used to refer to children who have not yet reached the age of maturity too. Their exceedingly outlandish beliefs are highlighted by the word shatatan, meaning to go extreme. And we had thought that no human or jinn would speak a lie about God. They believe that since the truth has been revealed, false beliefs should be renounced forever. Some male humans in the past had sought refuge with men of the jinn, but they only increased them in misguidance. Here, Rijal refers to a group of men and jinn, although it sometimes refers to humanity in general as well. What does this verse convey? Based on some exegetes' research, men of the jinn" refers to rulers who pretend to serve the community while their true and concealed intention is to preserve their own power. If this interpretation is accepted, then one may conclude that the verse reveals humanity's inclination to deceive itself by believing the lies and empty promises of demagogues instead of seeking the truth and following God's words, thereby empowering such individuals even further. As the Quran attests, transgressors may talk about God, religion, and the Qur'an, but their concealed intentions do not benefit Islamic society. Rather, they corrupt it. Throughout history, instead of following prophets and divine scriptures, most people have sought refuge in and surrendered to the ruling powers and paid homage to prevailing governments that have brought them nothing but misery, distress, and helplessness. They, humans, thought, as you thought, that God would not raise anyone as a messenger. Just as you have rejected this prophet and denied outright that God would raise a man to prophethood, they also assumed that God would not raise a prophet. The discussion so far seems to be about humans as a group of jinn. From this point forward, however, this abstruse discourse appears to switch to a different group of unknown phenomena. We tried to reach heaven, but found that it was filled with powerful guards and meteors. This verse's outward meaning indicates that this discourse is about meteorites and heavenly bodies. Which have been discussed elsewhere in the book, referring to Earth's atmosphere safeguarding our planet Earth. This multi layer shield makes meteors immensely hot and incinerate upon collision, as well as harmful cosmic and solar rays are burnt or deflected by its outer layers. This latter phenomenon, called polar light, was discovered by the American scientist James Van Allen. Like a belt, this phenomenon surrounds the Earth, and by using its magnetic force, entraps, spins, and pushes these harmful particles toward poles, where they are destroyed by a mechanism called aurora. The Quran, using allegorical and metaphorical language, discusses these scientific subjects. We used to sit in places there to listen, but anyone who now attempts to listen finds a shooting meteor in wait for him. Maqa'ad denotes places to sit, lie in wait, or observatories. Listen, hear, is not necessarily meant to be literally listening, for that would restrict the verse to humans. Rather, it is a metaphor for infiltrating a place and gathering information. Thus, but anyone who now attempts to listen, find a shooting meteor in wait for him, alludes to Earth's atmosphere which safeguards it. Before Earth acquired an atmosphere, it was subjected to attacks by harmful cosmic rays and heavenly bodies. After creating life on Earth, however, God called into existence a protective atmospheric shield. Even the sun's rays, the essential source of life, contain harmful spectrums like ultraviolet light, that are deflected, while beneficial spectrums are allowed to enter. Using the language of engendering and creative power, the verse declares that the jinn can no longer penetrate Earth's atmosphere because flaming stars will burn them up. It is as if a force is lurking around, just waiting to shoot them down. We do not know whether harm is intended for those on earth, or whether their Lord intends to guide them. Jinn are not privy to what transpires on earth because they cannot penetrate its atmosphere. But supposing that life is the exclusive domain of humanity, as well as of other known creatures, is utterly false. The Quran emphatically states that the whole world is alive, for everything in or on it prostrates to God, despite the fact that humans cannot perceive them. Chapter 17, verse 44 Therefore, we are not this planet's only intelligent beings, for other creatures, in ways unknown to us, have different degrees of intelligence. When Earth's protective shield was established, Jin, were prevented from influencing the planet. However, we cannot ascertain the reality of such matters. Some of us are righteous and others are not, for we follow different paths. Using creative cosmic language, this verse introduces another group of jinn, some of whom are classified as salih, useful, the opposite of facid, corrupt, while saleh repairs, improves, and restitutes, facid corrupts, spoils, and decomposes. Cosmic rays announce in a language that humans can understand that some of them are beneficial, while others are not, thereby highlighting part of the sunlight spectrum reaches Earth and other parts that harm life do not. We know that we can neither frustrate God on earth nor escape him by fleeing. They declare that God is absolutely the powerful one, that they are subservient to his rules and powerless to flee beyond the protective order that he has decreed. Harmful rays or other corrupt forces cannot destroy humanity's existence, for the order governing the world cannot be circumvented. In other words, they have surrendered to His command and are surrounded by His order. When we heard the guidance, we believed in it. Whoever believes in his Lord does not need to fear any loss or injustice. Those who believe in God will not suffer any decrease or decline, be frustrated in their efforts, or be impeded by anxiety or distress. Some of us have surrendered to God and others have surrendered to those who are unjust. Those who submit have sought out the right path. The Qur'an employs the pronoun anna, we, nine times in this chapter to cite the different kinds of jinn and various hidden and concealed phenomena. Muslim denotes being submitted to God's order, whereas qasit refers to one who is unjust, deviates from the right course and breaks the law. Those who have submitted to the truth and surrendered to God's imperative are on the path of spiritual growth and perfection. Whereas those who are unjust will be fuel for the hellfire. The Qasits are not just randomly cast away, for they have earned that fate through their own nature. By analogy, carpenters use a piece of wood's best part to build chairs, but discard or burn those pieces rendered useless. A piece of wood crafted into a beautiful chair gains an elevated status because it is useful, whereas wood scraps, whose existence has not been advanced, will be burnt. Such is the case with humans. For in God's order... Those who repel the truth serve no purpose and thus are discarded. If they had taken the right path, we would have given them abundant water. If they had taken the right path appears to be a statement of protest interjected into the narrative. In the Quran, istaqamu actually connotes being on the straight path, and behaving in accordance with the principles of tawheed. The idiomatic expression, we would have given them abundant water, for the people of Arabia living in dry deserts, emphasizes that they will receive this noteworthy blessing. While this verse's exoteric interpretation may point out how human's deeds impact nature it neither negates nor rejects its esoteric and hidden meaning known only to god for example water may metaphorically allude to spiritual blessings here a test for them therein but anyone who turns away from his lord's remembrance he will cause him to undergo a severe punishment. A test for them therein can be interpreted in two ways. Being showered with blessings and comfort is a trial for those who possess such things, or that fihi therein refers to the ways of submission versus those of acting unjustly. Either way, the concept of God testing humanity is present. The Quran cites Prophet Solomon as declaring that God has blessed him with his bounties to test whether he is grateful. Chapter 27, verse 40. And chapter 8, verse 28 reminds people that their property and children are their trial. All such blessings are specifically designed as tests to reveal their possessor's true nature. Humans are free to choose between submitting to God or embarking on the opposite path. The severe punishment noted in this verse begins when one turns away and distances oneself from the truth. As this distance increases, one's ensuing remoteness from god and deviation from the true path continues to grow exponentially those who fail to remember their creator can no longer approach perfection which in and of itself is a punishment as stated earlier they bring this punishment upon themselves via their deeds by becoming more and more remote from their own essence. Places of worship are for God alone, so do not invoke anyone therein other than God. Places of worship, Masajid, here, denotes any place in which God is worshipped, be it synagogues, churches, or mosques. Since worshipping is his exclusive domain, no other names, including those of his chosen people, such as prophets and imams, who deserve the highest degree of veneration and emulation, should be invoked along with him, because doing so is tantamount to polytheism. Some Christians may invoke Jesus or Mary and beseech them instead of God and some Muslims may invoke the Imams during their post-prayer supplication. All such attempts have no place in Islam, and Tawheed, emphasis on invoking only God's name wherever he is worshipped. When God's servant stood up to pray to him, they crowded and swarmed around him they crowded and swarmed around him, denotes people cursing, slandering, and uniting against him. Such behavior is prevalent in most religions, and history records the fate of those who advised Christians to worship and beseech only God instead of Jesus. Many of the true monotheists who invited people to Tawheed and implored that only God be worshipped, were killed, sometimes by being burned alive. Regrettably, the history of religion shows us that humans have always wanted to associate one or more partners with God. In their quest for faith, humans have always resorted to intermediaries and become angry if they are asked why do you not implore God instead? Could imams' shrines and the ground on which worshippers prostrate even remotely replace God? Instead of worshipping their gravesites and urging them to resolve our problems, the Quran lucidly advises humanity to implore God alone, the ever-living and the self-existing. Say, O Muhammad, I only pray to my Lord and do not associate anyone or anything with him. This verse emphatically instructs humanity to call only upon God, as Prophet Muhammad did. For example, he never invoked Prophet Abraham on the grounds that he was the father of monotheism, say i have no power to cause you harm or bring you to the right path the omnipotent lord emphatically commands the prophet to inform people that they are responsible for their own fate because given that the outcomes of all affairs rests with god the prophet cannot help those on a wrong path grow In spiritual perfection say no one can protect me from God nor can I find any refuge beside him the Prophet is told to inform people that just like them he is also in constant need of God and would never seek refuge elsewhere those whom they invoke are themselves seeking means to approach their Lord, even those who are nearest. Chapter 17, verse 57 This verse reveals that those whom we beseech are themselves competing to get closer to God. This discourse might raise the question, then why was the prophet sent? I only deliver. WHAT I RECEIVE FROM GOD AND HIS MESSAGES WHOEVER DISOBEYS GOD AND HIS MESSENGER WILL DWELL IN HELL'S FIRE FOREVER. WHAT IS GOD'S MESSAGE? THE REVEALED BOOK AND THE PROPHET'S ETHICAL AND MORAL TEACHINGS ALL OF WHICH INFORM PEOPLE OF HOW TO CONDUCT THEIR AFFAIRS those who refuse to do so will, in a different realm and under a different law and order, reap what they have sown. This verse and similar ones signify this matter's serious nature and proclaim that those who embark on any other path will be deprived of the blessings of His established order. The next verse responds to those who wonder when the promised punishment will fall upon them. The disbelievers will continue to persist in their ways until the day when they see that which they are promised. Then they will know for certain who is the weaker in terms of supporters and smaller in number. The disbelievers, who would show off their power and numbers to challenge the Prophet, will realize the truth on the Day of Judgment when they see the punishment. As all such things will be revealed at that time, the Prophet is instructed to let them behave as they wish. Say, I do not know whether that which you have been promised is near or whether the time appointed for it by my Lord, is far off. The Prophet is to inform those who inquire when will the day arrive, that he does not know whether its occurrence is eminent or eventual, for God has not revealed that knowledge to him. Some people may mistakenly assume that the Prophet was omniscient, however, this verse refutes that assumption and commands him to proclaim this truth to his audience. For he alone is the knower of the unseen, and he discloses his secret only. God, the only knower of the unseen world, reveals only to the messengers of his choice, and he appoints guards who go before him and behind him. He reveals to prophets some of its tidings, but never all of them, either through his emissary, Archangel Gabriel, or directly, so that they may guide people to the right path. This verse signifies that while Gabriel is God's emissary to the prophet, the latter is the conduit of God's revelation to people, Some people believe the Qur'an to be Muhammad's words, spoken after he had experienced an inner transformation within his conscience. If the Qur'an were the result of Muhammad's thoughts and reflections, how could the unadulterated nature of its message be assured? This verse answers this and similar questions unequivocally. Whenever God sends a messenger, he designates guards to ensure his revealed message's integrity and its transfer to the intended audience, thereby preserving its authenticity. To ensure that they deliver his Lord's message, he knows all about them and takes account of everything. similar to the different forms of energy that reach the world in exactly the right amount, divine revelation is also transmitted unadulterated. Quran tells the Prophet not to be hasty in trying to repeat the revelations, for preserving them in his faculty of discernment and bringing them to light, rest with God, which underscores the fact That he was merely its recipient as opposed to interjecting his own understanding into them their passive roles as literal word-for-word transmitters of the divine revelations does not belittle their exalted positions for being chosen and honored to fulfill such a role is a blessing bestowed upon very few men this chapter's main theme was tawhid, and ordering people to reject polytheism, and it concludes by emphasizing the integrity and authenticity of the Qur'an.